With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, good evening, and uh, welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. Uh, I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys, or you can check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Also, email me, Saturdays with Joy Keys at Hotmail.com, and we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes, we're on Amazon Music, we're on Google. We're on iHeartRadio. If you miss a show, they're there. They're archived. Uh, I want to let you know that this show is a very sensitive show. We're going to be talking about child abuse, um, uh, sexual assault. So if you have gone through these things or you might know someone, this show may be triggering for you, and um, you may or may not want to listen or maybe listen at a different time now that you know that this is what we're going to be talking about. I have an expert with me today. Um, her name is Aisha Shahida Simmons. She's an award-winning black feminist lesbian cultural worker who has examined the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, and sexual violence for over 25 years. She is a survivor of childhood and adult sexual violence but she is committed to healing and non-carceral accountability. She's the editor of the 2020 Lambda Literary Award-winning anthology, Love with Accountability, Digging Up the Roots of Child Sexual Abuse. And that's what we're going to be talking about this evening. She also has a movie called Know the Rape Documentary, and she was on the show previously talking about that. So if you look up us, You could probably find that interview as well where we talk about the film. And she also has a website. So uh, we're going to talk about all of that and how to connect with her and the different resources that she has available. Good evening, Aisha. Good evening. I'm really happy to be back on the show, Joy. Thank you so much for the invitation to talk about my work. Well, it's not going anywhere, unfortunately. I I actually wish I couldn't – I didn't have to have you on the show. (laughs) You, you understand? <laughs> I hear you. I wish I didn't have to talk I, about I, it. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? We were talking previously before the show started, and I said in the book it talks about, you know, transformative justice, one of the issues. And what does that look like? And people are talking about education and schools to kids, about, you know, sexual abuse. Um, and I said we don't even learn how to get an apartment, but we want people to talk about sexual abuse in school. Like, I mean, <laughs> we, we are fighting yeah. about if you teach somebody about sex, then you're going to start telling them that they're going to have sex. But one in three, one in four women have been abused. Right. That's right. And one in six boys have been abused. Yeah. And yeah. One, one in six boys. And that is reported. And that is another issue. All these statistics are based on reported documented cases, and we know based on 
your work and others, many, many people don't report. So, you know, so let me start with you and your story. Why did you decide to make this movie? Why are you making this collection of stories? What was the uh, catalyst for this? Well, the catalyst, um, at the time I started making No, the rape documentary, it was in the 90s, and I thought I just wanted to help all of those survived black women survivors out there. I didn't think it had anything to do with me. But it was a 12-year journey, and I realized that actually in making the film, I was actually saving myself because I am a survivor of rape as an, a, a college a sophomore and then also of childhood sexual abuse. And so I worked on that film from ni- making it from 1994 to 2006, 12 years. It, was, it is and was groundbreaking at the time. Um, it, had its, I had, it had its world premiere at the Pan-African Film Festival in Los Angeles in February uh, 2006. This was 19 months before Title IX um, was successfully used in, in terms of uh, um, against uh, uh, campus sexual assault. I mean, no, it was very much a precursor. It was it was before the the incredible viral recognition of the Me Too movement. It was before surviving R. Kelly in terms of just breaking the silence and all of this. Like I see all no as well as all the works I've just talked about, and then so many works like For Colored Girls by Intazaki Shange or The Color Purple by Alice Walker. This is a continuum of work that Black women have been doing for a long time around. Um, breaking silences around sexual violence and celebrating our healing and resilience. So now No is subtitled in Spanish, French, Portuguese, um, and German. I've made it accessible um, for a dollar rental online on Vimeo. All that information is on the website, No, N-O, therapedocumentary.org. And, um, and so for me, what I've been very interested in is amplifying the voices of black women survivors, um, amplifying mm-hmm. the work in, in black communities to disrupt and end uh, this violence, and also working, exploring ways how to do this without relying on the same system, the criminal justice system, that we know has just done, wreaked so much havoc and harm in our communities. Now, do you feel you have healed more now less now the same how was your healing today based on mm-hmm. from before you even started the film oh yeah no let, well let me just say in terms of my journey i was assaulted my adult journey young adult journey i was assaulted raped in my sophomore year in college and um so i and and then i subsequently dropped out of school because i just could not um function and deal um so and that we don't talk a lot about that in terms of how many of us you know our educate formal education was cut short as a result of that um i started therapy about two years before i started working on no so i'm a proponent of therapy i for 28 years i worked with one uh, black feminist licensed clinical psychologist and now i'm working with a, a new therapist another black woman um that i can't imagine doing this work without therapy. I also am a long-term Buddhist meditation practitioner, so meditation and also mindfulness teacher, um, meditation has been instrumental in my my healing process. And I will say that the the film know that that 
that that whole process has, has led me and, and played a role in my healing process. And in fact, at the end of No, there's a, a closing dance sequence, and the refrain is rage, meditation, action, healing. So really, because I want to acknowledge the rage that what happens against our will, the violation, the invasion of our bodies, and then the importance to either meditate or pause if you don't want to meditate or pray, just, just to pause mm. so that we can discern what's happening, to breathe, and then we can take action, right, and, and, and ultimately heal. And that's really, for me, how I see my work. My goal is healing, healing. Now, the title of the book is called Love with Accountability. Who yeah. is being accountable? And who mm. are we loving? Mm-hmm. Thank you for that question. For me, because the book focuses on childhood sexual abuse, who've been impacted, and I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, we are impacted by people that we know and may have loved before the abuse. We may love them after, but definitely before the abuse. That They, t- they are our loved ones, most of whom have been put in, whose responsibility is our care. So the love with accountability, actually, it it comes from my own healing process. My parents did not sexually abuse me, but my grandfather did, and I told my parents what happened. And they they are divorced, and they were divorced at the time when I was 10, I am now 53 years old, and I told them, and they didn't remove me from the situation. So this has just mm-hmm. been a really intense time, period, and it wasn't until 2015. Now, I shared a few minutes ago that I finished my film at 2006. It wasn't until 2015 that I came to grips with the fact of my parents' bystanding role to my abuse. By this point, my grandfather had been, he's an ancestor, and I actually played a role in saving his life when he was gravely ill. But it, but it was really, I realized that while my grandfather definitely committed the, the, the acts and the harm against my body as a child, 10 to 12 years old, that my parents allowed it to happen after I told them. They didn't know before, but once I told them. And um, and so the love with accountability really came out of my own meditative practice because my parents at the time were not really wanting to deal with my rage and anger. I mean, we all established that what Pop-Pop did to me was wrong, but they didn't see how they were involved. And so mm. the word love with accountability came up through my own meditative practice, and that's how I started responding to them in my communiques because I was saying, because they, what was saying, what was being said and what is often said to most survivors by family, if you love us, you'll move on. If you love us, you'll stop talking Get about over this. It. And so what I was yes. saying that, yes, I love you, but my love is not going to shield you from accountability for the harm. So love with accountability is um, that's where that comes from. And I think that love of accountability can transcend a conversation around childhood sexual abuse, but that's where the, um, the term, that's how it emerged in terms of, like, what does love with accountability, those of us who've been really harmed by our family, right, by people who we trusted who, as kids, and then how do we hold these people accountable? Um, and, and, I think, and, it's, and, I can and, think like you said, sorry, go ahead, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna. I like you said that words love with accountability can can transcend this issue of child abuse in any loving relationship. 
And it actually brings me to that idea of, you know, they say, well, hurt people hurt people. Now, mm-hmm. for a long time, that was what people said, you know, well, that's why he did it. You know, he was hurt, so that's why he did it. Mm-hmm. But then there's people, in, and there are therapists and psychologists and, and social workers that say, okay, you know you were hurt. Go get some help. You can't no longer use right. that hurt people, hurt people excuse. They'll say that was an mm-hmm. excuse because you know you were hurt. So you you have to, you know, go get some help and take care of that. So, I mean, for me, that's where the, that's one area of accountability. But in a relationship where there is no abuse at all, people still need to be accountable. If you're married, you know, your husband and wife, mm-hmm. there are certain accountabilities. Um, it, it doesn't matter. And you, in you know, you have to pay rent, partnership, business, all types of things. But, in, you know, family, um, you know, parents, all these things, you, as a parent, you have to hold them accountable for keeping you safe, feeding you, clothing you, hopefully protecting you from abuse, but that cannot always be the case. It, it happens without their knowledge many a times. Um, but the other part is once you do tell them, and this is many of the stories, almost I would say three-quarters of your stories, people told and they weren't believed. It was so amazing no, exactly. to me. Like, I had to keep putting the book down like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again with this. What the hell? You know? Um, I want to start real basic quickly, though. People may not understand what does child abuse mean. I'm a licensed social worker. I had to take a three-hour class about <laughs> what child abuse is. And it is not just if somebody touches the child. It also is if the child touches another person inappropriately in their genitals or in a sexual manner, if they're forced to watch pornography, if they're talked to about inappropriate sexual things, even if nothing is touching them, that is also child abuse. Um, Mm -hmm. Neglect is child abuse. Not taking care of them, not providing food, clothing, and shelter is also abuse. There's also physical abuse of, uh, say, disciplinary types of abuse. Um, that is also abuse, too. Um, and so, so there's many forms of child abuse that people may not be aware. And, and one of the things that is talked about is you talk to your kid, if anybody touches you in your special area, come see mommy or daddy. But we may not talk about pornography. We may not say if they ask you to look at a picture. We may not say if they ask you to touch them. And sometimes kids are very literal. So you, mommy said, if somebody touches me, I'm supposed to come talk to her. But I, nobody touched me. I touched them. Like, you know, so there has mm-hmm. to be uh, education of, for, for par- parents and, and people who are in charge of children as well on what does that mean. Um, let's read some of the books. Can you read some of them yes. from, from the book? I okay. will, and I want to. I want to just kind of share. So the anthology is, uh, features writings by forty diasporic Black survivors and advocates, and it's broken up into sections. Every every five chapters, I, I have the word greed because um, it, it's intense. It's intense reading, um, and it's really important that we take care of ourselves while we read through the book. My call, my invitation to everyone in who contributed to the book was inviting them to share about what share what happened when when they were harmed uh, abused as children but also to envision 
what a world would look like without childhood sexual abuse. How can we end this? So for me, it was very important that we not just solely focus on the trauma, but that we actually use what um, one of a dear friend of mine and writer Walida Imarisha calls speculative fiction, that we envision that which is not, which has not occurred. Because I think that when we think about enslavement, for instance, you know, in, in terms of our ancestors never probably, you know, could imagine um, what's happening right Where now. Where we are I today. Do believe, mm-hmm. Right. I do believe that many of them believe at some point my people will be free. And for me, what I want is I'm, I'm creating work that to a point where there will be a generation, I'm sure not in my lifetime, that will look back and be like, people did this. So that was really important. The other thing I want to say um, is that my mother is a contributor to the anthology that after she, um, as well as my father, later came to grips with their bystanding roles, that she wanted, she, and she is a survivor of sexual violence, and she's a scholar, and she's a women's rights activist. So she writes about not protecting me. Um, And I think that that's very powerful. I, I view it as an opportunity for all parents and caregivers to really confront if they did not protect their children to really be accountable because as I said I'm 53 this in 2015 I was 46 so we're not talking about as a child so she writes about this um as you know now about the healing work that we're doing so I want to read just an excerpt actually uh and and I I just think that it was it's something that I know many people have talked about the 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 power of of her naming her um her not protecting me and and what does accountability look like now um okay so i um so i i wanted to just kind of uh read an excerpt from her chapter she said she writes for these three decades i could not understand why aisha could not quote unquote just get over it i was in denial Mm -hmm. about the great harm that had been done during and long after the actual molestations took place. There was the harm of Aisha's father and me acting normal around this man. And I just want to remind readers that this is my grandfather, never letting on to other family members that he was not as he appeared, but was someone who caused our daughter great harm. Who were we protecting for our own selfish reasons? Worse, we had expected our daughter to keep it a secret, to never tell her grandmother it would kill her. We kept repeating mm. over and over. Or all of the other family members who regularly gathered to celebrate birthdays and holidays over these three decades. We acted as if it was all normal. I never understood the tremendous harm I was inflicting on my daughter. What is worse, I never thought about what she must have been going through at all those parties dinners and gatherings held in the house. We wanted her to put it behind her, to forget about it, to not upset the happy family. I did not understand until August 2016 why Aisha was still angry with me and why our relationship was so troubled. I was oblivious to the fact that the harm continued way beyond the two years she was being actively molested. As a civil rights women's rights, and human rights activists, I am shocked and ashamed of myself. I am ashamed that I let my only child, a woman child, suffer all these years in silence. I am ashamed that I did nothing, really, to take her out of the horrible situation. 
she endured during and long after the molestations occurred by wanting her to keep it quiet, to keep it secret, to go there regularly and act as if nothing had happened. I don't know how I did this. I am just now admitting and coming to terms with my inaction with this great evil that I covered up and expected Aisha to cover up. I am just now, 37 years later, coming to terms with the terrible spiritual, psychic, emotional, and physical toll that this has taken on Aisha for almost four decades. I am just now becoming accountable to her for the love I have always proclaimed that I have for my daughter. I am so sad about the overt and covert harm that I caused Aisha. I am grateful that in spite of this harm I have caused, Aisha has persevered, risen like a phoenix from the ashes, and held me accountable for my silence and for covering up a monstrous evil. She has broken silences with her film, Know the Rape Documentary, with her numerous writings in print and online, her national and international lectures and workshops, and now with love with accountability. I can only pray that she forgives me and that I continue to learn from her example, her writings, and the personal experiences she shares with me on how a parent should act when one's child is sexually abused. And I'll just stop there. Yeah, that, um, like you mentioned, you had the word breathe, every couple chapters, and I was telling you beforehand, it was really, really needed because it, it, it's like you're almost holding your breath at some point, you know. And, and to the statement yeah. of why, why you can't get over it, um, like in the later chapters, there was a lady, I think she was in her 50s, and she was talking about um, she was 50 and she was abused as a child. And I forgot what triggered her, and, and she woke up and she had wet her bed. She was 50 yeah. years old. That was Kalima Johnson. So, yeah, Kalima Johnson, who, yeah, and who, ha- who runs this incredible center in Detroit, Rape Crisis Center for Black Women Survivors called the Sasha Center. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's like don't, if you're listening to this, you know somebody's going through it or you yourself have gone through it. One, I think if you yourself have gone through it, don't be too hard on yourself on the journey. Your journey may not look like somebody else's. Somebody else may somehow heal faster, if you will, but they can be triggered or it may be up and down. It's like grief, you know, you know it's a grief and grief comes in waves and, and it can come five years, it can come 10 years, or it can come down the line and, and you're 50 years old. So um, for people who maybe it hasn't happened to, but are on the sidelines, if you will, and you're like, why can't this person get over it? They're not the only ones who can't get over it. You know, um, and and it, and it shouldn't be. Yeah. It, I, I I don't think it's a it's a get over. It's, it's a working with. It's a, a dealing with. Um, like I said, um, really, almost related, like a, like a grief. One of the interesting things is remaining friends or loving people that hurt you, because again, this is breaking the stereotype. It is not a stranger. It's usually somebody you know. And many times it could be somebody close. I mean, in the in the book, they talk about brothers molesting sisters, cousins molesting cousins. One crazy story that really hit me like, bam, I think it was a young woman who was molesting her cousin, but she was also being abused at the same time, I think, by the mother's boyfriend. 
um, it was like for five years mm-hmm. she was abusing abusing one of the writers, and then but at the same time she was abusing, she was actually being abused. Right. Well, like, and I think that that's the problem with that with when we're talking about children. Abuse is abuse. I want to be really clear. But and then there's something that happens when it's children sibling abuse. And and let me say that there have been sisters who who are abusing. You know that abuse. I think it's really important. Because, and let me just be share with the readers that I have male uh, men writing about their abuse, uh, gender non-binary yes. people writing about their abuse. That that this yes, is something do. that mm-hmm. transcends all all genders. I mean, for me, the commonality is that everyone is is di- is black, a diaspora black from the diaspora. Um, and I think that 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 so often, particularly as children, if they're being abused and not, and it's not being addressed, that a lot of times children are acting out, and so on what what has happened to them, and so I think that, and this is part of the reason why this, the carceral responses are, are very problematic for me, because I feel like we we if, if we see a child acting out, chances are they're either witnessing or experiencing harm, and that they need help too. I'm talking about children. Now, once we get to adults, there's also there's work that needs to happen there. But it it is it's it's um it, it's so pervasive um and 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 it and it and we don't talk about it. Um, and I think that sometimes people will talk about it because the person who's causing harm could be the breadwinner or you know the person who's you know in charge. So there's so many complex reasons not to excuse or condone why this is happening. But I, and I think that that's why we have to have complex responses. Um, for instance, my grandfather molested me, right? So we could say, oh, well, we need to lock them up. But I told, and I told my parents what happened. And so they also are culpable. And so, like, and, and as the case is, is that Should for they most instances of well? abuse, mm-hmm. right, we can't lock yeah. up every. I don't believe, let me say, I don't believe in it at all, but we can't lock up every one of us. Chances are it's more than one person involved. People are looking the other way. So what are the ways in which we can address this? Um, where it's not on the, the survivor, the immediate survivor. I don't think they need to take that on. I think that this is why I'm, we're talking, I'm talking about communal responses, family responses, where we hold that person accountable, um, while we also hold the person who's been harmed with love and care. But I think that this is kind of like, you know, either foster care or policing or whatever. It doesn't. It doesn't stop the harm. It doesn't, and sometimes it exacerbates it. Um, so, well, one of the and, things, and that's um, what, for me, love and accountability is about. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. One of the things that um, I was just reading about wasn't necessarily in the book, but it is. People say, okay, all sex offenders are the same, and no, none of them can be healed. Um, there are some therapists that believe, depending on the issue, like if a sex offender is only interested in children it is usually harder for them to not um, act out again. But if the person is, uh, say, attracted to adults and children, they have a more chance, supposedly, of healing, so to speak, um, and, and through cognitive behavioral therapy, through things similar to, like, alcoholic anonymous types of groups and things like that. Um, and even, I think, one of the... Um, writers talked about having the offenders speak out about what they're going through and what their process mm-hmm. is and, 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 and what happened to them. Like, you know, the question a therapist usually asks, well, what happened to you? 
Like, why, why are you, what, what, what's going on that you are behaving this way? Um, and maybe having them explain um, and share, which uh, can, can, can heal them just by even speaking it out because there's shame with them as well. I'm not trying to say that the victim is not shame. Don't, I don't want to make it less, you know, more or less, but there is oh, shame with the offender mm-hmm. as well, you know. Um, and that's There's something you talk change. about in the book. Yeah, I, I had a problem. I think I told you um, uh, we're running close to time. But I just want to say there was one situation. I think the, the woman or a person had been abused by their brother, and then they allowed their kids to go over their brother's house. Now, supposedly their kids were not abused. Me personally, mm-hmm. I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I was, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. I do, though, agree that the prison industrial complex is not perfect and is not a place to help somebody who's who's um, been a victim because your victims talk about that, you know. Did you yeah, go I, to the criminal justice system about your grandfather I, I, or any situation, no, the rape I or never anything? did. I never. I ne- well, my rape was on a study abroad program. I never used the criminal justice system. Um and um, I at all, and um, so that wasn't even it wasn't even presented as an option. And I want to say, you know, there's billions of dollars being poured into prison. And so one of the things that many of us who are abolitionists are working to change things around is like if we could even take a fraction of that money and put it into like healing centers. So it's not about just letting people who cause harm just not hold them accountable, but it's like. What's the kind of work that we can do? Because statistics show that when you people are locked up for, and, and come out, that they will they and not have any help or support, that they will harm again. And so, for me, I'm interested yes. in trans, transformation and healing. Everybody needs healing, and and I speak as a survivor, so I want to be clear. And I'm very clear about my healing, but I'm clear that those people who cause harm need healing as well. And that's what I'm interested in. Not now. Let me the um. Of the survivors. You have the phrases in the book of restorative justice, transformative justice. What's the difference? What's the similar? What are the similarities? Well, restorative justice tends to work within um, the the system, so to speak, right? So that 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 they're very rare that in terms of a some criminally prosecuted that you had in some courts you have the option to have a restorative justice uh, process involved. Transformative justice does not work um, at all within the, 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 the criminal justice system at all. But let me just say restorative justice comes, it emerges from indigenous practices in terms of really believing in the, the wholeness of the community, that when one member is harmed, all of us are harmed. Um, so, and for me, it was important to have writings by restorative justice practitioners and transformative justice practitioners. And it's also, I wanted to share that there are, that there are people who, in the anthology, who share that they are opposed to the prison system and they believe they ha- we have to use what we have until we create something different. So I wanted to create a collage of voices um, and, and really kind of 40 distinct roadmaps, if you will, around this issue, um, that because there isn't one story um, that fits one size uh, solution that fits all, that it's, it's going to take multiple visions. Um, and one so, of the things you know, I liked really, was... Go ahead. No, go ahead. You said, 
No, no, you, multiple visions. Uh, and, and that's exactly what it does. It is a collage. And there are there's something for many. Every story is not the same, and yet there's similarities. Like we talked about the silencing, we talked about the shames, about the disbelief, about still loving people who are were your abusers. Uh, but one of the interesting stories was the father and daughter that wrote. There was a the story oh, in there um, about the father. You want Pastanade. to tell them about that? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Papsanade, Adenike Harrison, Peter Harris. Their father and daughter incredible team and 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 the father did, was not involved with any of the harm it was her stepfather who uh who abused her and they have done and they have an incredible TED talk you can look at look them up on Pops and Ade um or Peter Harris and Adenike Harris where they really talk about healing um and 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 really restorative justice and and, and how to move from the trauma, and how does the father heal with his daughter, the father who was not involved, who was on the other uh, coast, because he lives in, in, in California and her abuse happened on the East Coast. Um, and, they, and it's really a call and response, their, their con- contribution. Um, that, and it started because this anthology was first an online form, so it, it was a video, and then we, they transcribed it, or we, I transcribed it, had it transcribed, and, and we made it a, a, a call and response. So I, I just exactly wanted to have images as well around just very different um, uh, definitions of, of manhood, of parenting, um, just of experiences. So it's, it's really um, powerful. And, and my, on my lovewithaccountability.com website, the forum is actually still live, like, so you can actually see some of those. Uh, those uh, uh, writings on, on the form, most of them are in the anthology, have been revised or updated. But it, for me, the Love of the Accountability site is really a site for, for resources in terms of the forum, of books, of all, like because of COVID, we couldn't do in-person book talks, so we did online mm-hmm. book talks. Um, so all of those videos are there where you can hear actually from most of the contributors reading from their pieces and talking about the work. Um, that's uh, featured in the anthology. You also have on YouTube, they have a um, cool, like, music, and then you have the flashing images of the writer and a little blurb about um, who they are. Um, and, uh, and then yes. along with, like, that was really nice. It's about, like, 25 minutes or something, but it was just nice to listen, something kind of soothing, even though it's this heavy topic, you know, so that was nice. Um, also, I just want to bring up this issue of community accountability. So, because we talk about the micro, which is like the people close to the victim, uh, the mother, the father, the aunt, the uncle, grandfather, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, but there's this community issue, and, and you bring that up with um, one of the stories dealing with the Ghanaian, uh, African community, I think it is, and how they brought the accused and the accuser together and as a community, they decided to support the perpetrator and told the victim, yo, you can't do anything about this because it's really going to mess his life up. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that piece is, yeah. What? That was a community yeah. of people all in the room with this person, this, this child. And I was just uh, like, like, whoa. I was, that was one of the times I was really pissed. I was telling Aisha, like, I couldn't read this before I went to bed. Like, I kind of had to read up until about 10 o'clock, and I was like, all right, okay, you got to stop, because then I got to go to bed. So I had to watch something stupid or funny or something else. 
because um, I went through a, a range of emotions as well, but um, the restorative, I'm sorry, the transformative would include that change of the community and that the, the community is aware of something going on and not doing anything. They also need to be held accountable. Um, and, and our communities, such as our schools and our criminal justice systems, need to be held accountable um, and I'm always a proponent of if you see something and you don't like what's going on, why don't you make something up to change it, you know? Like if you as a community yeah. person are out there and you're, you know, you're listening to this show, and one of the issues was, you know, talking to kids about mental health therapy. That was something that one of the writers, hey, go to your local elementary school or high school and say, hey, I got an hour a week, I'm interested in doing this, blah, 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 blah. You know, or, you know, the sexual abuse thing is a hard sell, but if you want to throw statistics at them and show, like, one in three girls or one in six boys are being abused, and then you think about people who are trans, uh, LGBTQ community, um, yeah. all, anybody on the fringe, if you want to say, that there are, may have a worse, and, and their stories are even further pushed away because they're not in the center of whatever we think the center is, you know, stand up and speak about it, you know. Don't wait for, I don't know, what, Aisha to make another story or another film? Yeah, yeah no, I think that it's really, um, it's, it's, uh, it's very important. In ter- and I think, and, and, and again, another reason in terms of, I think why schools don't want to touch it is, you know, we have these mandatory reporting laws that I think initially came from a good place, right? But I think that this is why there's so much silence, right? Because if children are being harmed, they're going to be removed from the home. And I'm not saying that a child should be in a a situation where they're being harmed. I want to be really clear. But I think that we have got to come up with some alternatives where it doesn't result in some form of foster care where they're in a stranger's home where they could also be harmed as well. Um, I think that th- this is why we have to think about how can we respond in ways, the immediate survivor, but that, that also um, are about holistic responses and healing. Um, and so I, I think that that is, that for me is, that's, that's the impetus for, for, my, for my work and, 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 um, and, like, I can't undo what was done to me as a child, but it's just really trying, working hard to pay it forward with the, the young people in my life and then with the young people that I don't even know who they are with this, through this resource and, you know, and, and, and um, um, uh, just conversations and engagements. And, like, when you talked about the video about that was introducing all of the, the contributors to the anthology, the, I wanted, again, for that, for, to have, for people to be able to, enter into it and it's on the homepage or of the of the website as well as on my YouTube channel like for people to enter into the conversation um so like you may not be like you may not be ready to read the book in its entirety but at least it, it introduces you to each of the contributors and gives you a a, be, a brief description of who the um of what their chapters are about and it's a wide range like yeah. I include there are deaf contributors in, in in the anthology because what does it mean to be and and there are folks who are um, autistic, like what does it mean? Like we we're dealing with, you know, in terms of um, um, and disability when, you, when you're dealing yeah. with disabilities and dependent, like you're you're you are dependent on others. I mean, children are always dependent. I mean, I've been saying children are sheltering in place long before we were talking about sheltering in place. 
But then there's another layer of dependency when you're deaf, when you're autistic or physically disabled, and, and what if your caregiver is causing harm or your caregiver is the only person who can care for you while parents are working. Like all these kinds of things that we have to factor in and think about as we talk about um, this, and, and it is a pandemic. I mean, it's a pandemic. They say that there are 40 million childhood sexual abuse survivors, which is like the state of all of California and maybe I think some of Texas. And that's, as you said in the opening, Joy, that's just those who report it. We those know reported. it's more. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's so many more. So we, now, you know, where can we people reach you? Where, where can people um, reach you, Aisha? I don't, I don't want to um, yes. forget that. Like, on yep. the, we have your Love with Accountability Thank website. You. What about, like, on, like, yep. Instagram, on Twitter? or So social media is all at Afrolez, A-F-R-O-L-E-Z. So that's Facebook, that's Twitter, and that's Instagram. It's all at, at Afrolez. And then there's the lovewithaccountability.com website for love, for, and then the knowtherapedocumentary.org website. But if you follow, if you see me on, on social media, I have links that connect you to all the, to the, to the work. So at Afrolez on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and I'm going to be giving some copies away of the book. So, again, you want to follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And you could probably win a copy of the book um, for free. Um, and and uh, wow. that way, but, but we can support Aisha because you could buy a whole bunch for, like, I don't know, a school. Imagine that. Uh, a, a college or something. You know, um, libraries are going out of business. Uh, 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 brick and mortar bookstores are going out of business. So if you actually got books for for people, that'd be great. Or you could buy eBooks and um, send it to their Kindle yeah. or, or Nooks or whatever, you know. Um, and you'll be supporting um, Aisha and her work. Now, what do you think is next for you? Uh, do you think you will continue yeah, well, this journey of, of of healing and 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 dealing with child sexual abuse? Or will you start talking about like I don't know hot air balloons? <laughs> I'm working. I'm working on a book project right now, which is gonna. So it's a trilogy. So it started with no. It started with and the next with love and accountability. And my next project is called Love, Justice, and Dharma. And it's it is it it is a memoir. So that no and love and accountability really. These are document. It's a documentary anthology that where it's about the voices of between the two works of somewhere between 70 and 80 uh, black survivors and advocates and stuff, so really talking about sexual violence. And now I'm going to do a deeper look in terms of my life and journey around uh, trauma and healing um, and, and, and the need to, again, for, for non-carceral responses uh, to that. So that's, that is my book project. I am also um, a mindfulness uh, meditation teacher, so I'm really turning my work to focusing on contemplative practices and meditation. I teach classes, lead meditation. It is very instrumental in my own healing process and really wanting to offer these tools and resources for all, but specifically survivors, because, you know, we have to heal. And I think that there's so many of us who are wounded healers out in this world and our trauma, we act out our trauma, speaking as someone who has done that. And I'm not talking about, I don't act out my sexual trauma, but the rage um, can rear its head in all kinds of ways. So it is through my practices and definitely through therapy that I'm learning how, how, that, how to heal 
And so that's that's the work, and that's part of this this new book. It's not only clearly I'll share about my trauma, I'll talk about the process because my parents are human rights activists. So what does it mean in terms of this of them not advocating for global human rights all over the world, literally, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yet not protecting me? And then talking about my pro, my journey to healing. Um, and so that's why it's love, justice, and dharma. So that's the next project. Well, I wish you success. I hope you come back on and talk about that. And, again, um, check out her website, Love with Accountability. You can't mess that up, (laughs) Uh, .com, and you can check out um, all the things there, and you can make donations there. You can contact her there, um, and you can, uh, like you said, there's a forum and there's a YouTube channel, um, lots of information and resources there. uh, If you are someone who is dealing with child abuse or you know somebody has, um, thank you so much, Aisha, for coming on the show tonight. Thank you, Joy. It's really a gift to return and have an opportunity to talk about this topic. So thank you so much. Well, I want you to come back on about the third book, but, you know, like, seriously, I need you to write about the hot air balloon, okay? Just, I just want to put that in there, okay? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> all right, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> for tuning in. Um, Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also check us out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Joy Keys. And you can check out the show on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, um, uh, Google, uh, and as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. You guys have a great evening. What if you were wearing something sexy? What if you were drinking? What if you made the first move? No matter what, sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 1-800-656-HOPE or visit RAIN.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. This is Christina Ricci with RAIN, reminding you it's never your fault. Brought to you by RAIN and this station. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.